Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things stock talkie. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Have you ever been at work and you get treated like that where you're like, ah, come on, how long have we been doing this? Um, give me a call or drop me an email, Rob at robblackshow.com. It's Rob at robblackshow.com. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. We could talk about stocks that can double. Uh, we could talk about hurricanes and how to invest in them. I heard an interesting quote today on hurricanes um, and earthquakes, and I thought it was pretty interesting because, uh, you know, it's been that year, right? It was the world doesn't see a lot of death anymore from hurricanes and earthquakes. What we see is the toll hit after the disaster hits. And Mexico just got hit with a big earthquake, but we also know that Mexico is building an earthquake detection system a lot like Japan has. And would it have saved lives? I don't know. But what I found interesting on it was we've decided to start focusing on the relief projects getting telecommunications, getting water, getting food as fast as we can after a disaster. Not before, not during, but after. Um, I think that's kind of right on. I think that's kind of right on as far as the idea goes because I think as investors we need to do the same thing. In healthcare, I think we've hit a point where we need to stop thinking like, okay, let's treat the disease and we need to start treating the cause of the disease. And I don't think that's a massive change in thought. Um, but it's, it's one that's tough to get pervasive. It's one that's tough to get started. And again, a lot of these thoughts in investing, it, they take time. You know, Apple trying to go with Face ID is basically kind of a move away from the phone. Uh, putting a cellular service on a watch and musical services on the watch is kind of away from the phone as the, the, the dominant source. But it's going to take time, and it's going to be very, very slow. One of the things I like to do is look back at pictures of technology in the last 25 years. And, you know, I remember watching the X-Files back in the mid-'90s, and David Duchovny, Agent Mulder, had a cell phone that was the size of a t- size 14-foot shoe. Um, and you're, you're in hindsight, you're like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I remember at one point in time, there was a company called Iridium, and they made satellite phones, and they lent me one of their phones. And to this day, it's a great idea, and I'm always thinking, like, why didn't this catch on? Why isn't it more pervasive? Why isn't it that, you know, why isn't there a, a system behind cellular at this point in time? Because with satellite phones, you can go to an island. You, you might be able to go to the moon and make a phone call. Um, you know, it's not cell phone coverage at that point in time. It's satellite coverage. But things take time, and sometimes they don't ever happen. 
So one of the stocks that I want to talk about is Teva Pharmaceuticals, ticker symbol TEVA. Um, their business has undergone significant turmoil over the past two years, as their stock price clearly indicates. So first and foremost, you kind of have to go with that, right? You kind of have to start thinking, okay, is this an easy stock to own? Or is it, you know, historically, like, is it a slow march higher? Or can you take those 20, 30, 40% pullbacks? There is no shame at looking at a chart. No shame. If you plan to hold a stock for five years, take a look at a five-year chart. See how it's acted in the last five years. Take a look at a 10-year chart. See how it's acted. And, um, you know, a lot of times the companies will tell you what to expect by taking a look at their chart in the last couple of years. So Teva Pharmaceuticals is a pharmaceutical company. And uh, it used to be a little bit more high-flying than it used to be. And that is something that can bring it on your investment radar when you're talking stocks. Um, and what I mean by that is it could instantly, you know, highlight to you. Uh, maybe you're looking for a company that, like, for instance, let me give you a quick one. Amazon bought Whole Foods when they were 30% off from their all-time high. They didn't buy the stock at an all-time high. Have you ever bought a stock at an all-time high and it feels like, oh, my gosh, I'm the last person. I'm the only person to buy this stock at the all-time high. Sometimes it happens like that. And... Uh, that has to be ultimately frustrating, right? So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. So as far as Teva goes, when you start pulling out a chart, you can look back at the stock and see it was a $70 stock at one point in time. Now it's a $17 stock. Originally founded in 1901. 1901. You go back 100-plus years, 116 years, right? Equifax, company that's been in the news recently, um, and they look like a screaming potential buy. Um, they've been around for over 100-plus years. Teva was the world's largest generic pharmaceutical manufacturer by 2015. So they made generical, generic pharmaceuticals. So when Viagra comes off patent, they make the... It's kind of like Viagra. It's a blue pill. It does the same thing, but it's not Viagra. And maybe it's not a blue pill. Maybe it's a, a light beige pill or something like that. Teva made the largest acquisition in its 100-year operating history when it purchased a company called Activis uh, for $40 billion, which was Allergan's generic business. Now, generics are tough because they don't do a lot of marketing. They don't develop a lot of product, but they kind of take other people's products and make generic versions of it, which, again, there's no difference. And they say you have to have a college degree to figure out that there's no difference between Walgreens Benadryl and uh, the brand name Benadryl. So Walgreens cleverly calls their product Waldrill, right? And it's one half the price of Benadryl. But everyone's like, my baby, my baby needs Benadryl. And they don't want to go with the generic product, even though it has the same active ingredients. It just doesn't have a nice box or a nice bottle or any commercials. So Teva makes the biggest operating history purchase by an activist. Only six months after the deal closed, uh, the disappointing acquisition led Teva's board to lose confidence in the CEO, so he left without a successor. Almost like, can you imagine your spouse in the middle of the going, I'm out of here. And you're like, what am I going to do for money? What am I going to do for, like, uh, vision? What am I going to do for the guy who takes the kids to soccer? What am I going to do for the woman who cooks meals? So there's a lot of worries about pricing pressures in the generic pharmaceutical industries. 
if you go from country to country, you'll see that. The lack of long-term leadership and increasing worries about the company's debt load led to depressed sentiment amongst investors. Teva shocked investors by cutting its dividend by 75% to pay down its cumbersome debt. That's what you have to do sometimes. Teva had been paying a consistently growing dividend since going public in 1990. At the same time, Teva wrote down about 15% of its value of the activist deal and revised 2017 guidance downward. All reasonable things. Teva's board labored to find a permanent CEO. Israeli industrialist turned activist Benny Landa pushed for a CEO with branded pharmaceutical experience to break Teva up into two separate businesses. So Teva currently trades 65% lower than its 52-week high. The situation's messy. Teva's trading at a levered 27% forward free cash flow. You'd expect there to be some fatal risk or rapid secular decline. But consensus is that Teva stays cash flow positive and that it'll remain pretty stable. So it's an interesting company to look at. For the sake of building in a massive margin of safety and value in a stock, you gotta sometimes pull from companies that have had major fall apart. Teva's got a blockbuster MS drug, Paxon, and sales will eventually erode as it faces generic competition itself. The average between the two approaches of 100% upside from today's price is what some analysts are looking at. If you look at it 10 times PE on the stock, you get it to 33 bucks, where it's currently at 17. Is it a stock that deserves a second chance? Do your own homework. Take your symbol is T-E-V-A. It's T-E-V-A. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Some headlines out there. Google's going to agree to uh, by part of HTC for $1.1 billion. HTC has made some pretty good smartphones. Um, pretty good. What am I, stupid this morning? Why I oughta? Um, Google announced that it signed a definitive agreement with Taiwanese smartphone maker HTC to bolster its hardware business. Google's going to acquire a team of HTC employees, many of whom have worked on its Pixel smartphone. In return, HTC gets about $1.1 billion in cash. Um, Google's going to also receive a non-exclusive license for HTC uh, intellectual property. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. In the world of tech talk, um, elsewhere out there, um, can you imagine a world where you crawl into your car, you fall asleep, and you wake up at your destination? Uh, Elon Musk tweeted that out, and he says, two years from now. I hope I don't die in the next two years. I just want to see that right that's the best part about technology is like in the year 2000 you'll be able to make a phone call and it'll be crystal clear Tom not Tom Cruise Tom Selleck before there was Tom Cruise there was Tom Selleck ye of the mustache man from Magnum P.I. Uh, before Blue Bloods long before Blue Bloods there was a man named Magnum P.I. who oddly enough lived in a millionaire's house in Hawaii and solved crimes I know it doesn't make sense he had a helicopter that he drove around like a taxi I know it doesn't make a sense. That's all of the 1980s sitcoms. They don't make sense. But Tesla's working today with AMD to develop its own artificial intelligence chip for self-driving cars. And this makes you go, but what? Wait, wait. Tesla, don't you have a relationship with NVIDIA? Yes, they do. And aren't NVIDIA and AMD kind of rivals of each other? Yes, they are. 
I kind of like NVIDIA, AMD, and Intel at this point in time because they're all making the semiconductors. They're going to be Internet of Things. They're going to be artificial intelligence. They're going to be server-oriented. Yes, that's the coolest part about it is NVIDIA's got the biggest lead, so they got the most amount of pie, which means that they have the most amount of pie to lose. I love pie. My favorite pie chart is how much pie I've eaten. What's my favorite pie? Mmm. I, I go a little ghetto on this one. I go a little trashy. I typically like a good apple cinnamon at Thanksgiving, and the time of the year does matter. But, uh... Chocolate pudding pie. My mom used to make for the kids the best damn thing in the world. Chocolate pudding pie. So it's a, a graham cracker crust with chocolate pudding and whipped cream. I know. I know. I know. It's pretty ghetto. I know. But Tesla's working with AMD to develop its own artificial intelligence chip. The car makers received back samples of its first implementation of its processor and is now running tests on it. The effort to build its own chip is in line with Tesla's push to be vertically integrated and decrease reliance on other companies. One of the things that they did was they bought SolarCity so they can get you know more solar energy. Tesla isn't completely going it alone, though, in the chip development um, because they're going to be building on top of AMD intellectual property. AMD shares spiked after it was reported yesterday that the company was working with Tesla. So CEO of AMD spinoff and chip fabricator Global Foundry said the company's technology conference in Santa Clara recently they mentioned Tesla as an example of companies that we are working with on fabricators Global Foundries which fabricates chips has a wafer supply agreement in place with AMD through 2020 so AMD at one point in time not only did they design semiconductors but they made them they had the ovens that could cook them they spun that off into a company called Global Foundries. Now, Global Foundries has a relationship with AMD to last the next three or four years, and it'll probably last longer. It's a lot like the relationship that eBay has with PayPal. It kind of works for both of them. You know, whenever you're watching those National Geographic shows or Animal Planet and, like, you see, like, monkeys sharing tools, you're like, whoa, that's awesome. Um, like, they're smarter than I thought. Keep an eye on that monkey. So Global Foundries and AMD kind of help each other. A more power-efficient, purpose-built chip could get Tesla closer to delivering totally autonomous driving. Tesla CEO Elon Musk promised this year that capability will be available to consumers in 2019. Again, this segment started with him saying, imagine getting into a car, falling asleep, and waking up at your destination. I don't want that. I'm not ready for that. I don't think a lot of people are ready for that. I like the idea, but I don't want that. So Tesla's Silicon Project is bounding ahead under the leadership of longtime chip architect Jim Keller, the head of autopilot hardware and software since the departure of Apple veteran Chris Leitner in June. So Keller's 57. He joined Tesla in early 2016, following two stints at AMD and one at Apple. So he helped Apple come up with the A4 and the A5 phone chips, and now Apple's on the A11 chip. So more than 50 people are working on the initiative under Keller, and Tesla has brought on several AMD veterans after hiring Keller, uh, including Director Ganesh, I can't say his last name, Vinka Taramanan, um, and System Circuit Design Leader Dan, Dean Bailey. So as a rule, GPUs, graphic processor user units from the likes of NVIDIA and AMD, are widely used for various types of artificial intelligence workloads. They're capable of doing many things but aren't designed with just very few narrow computer jobs in mind. Uh, hence the custom chip development. Tesla would put less impacted, you know, ultimately by pricing dictated by NVIDIA if it switches to in-house hardware. Um, NVIDIA and AMD have been making the video game cards 
graphic cards for PCs and for Xbox and for Sony Playstations for years. And in it, you can see a car, like you could do a race car simulation, and that car you know, cuts you off and forces you off the road. You're like, damn you, I'm going to pass you, I'm going to cut inside you and get around you. And suddenly you cut inside and you see a damage on the right side of your car as you're scraping up against this guy. Um, that's real important technology to have when you're building self-driving cars. I know you're saying, are we going to be driving video games? A lot of it, yes. A lot of it, yes. Um, so we got that going out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We just did a big segment on Tesla getting in bed with AMD, and they already are in bed with NVIDIA. And I would say, again, that whole semiconductor world on virtual chips, on artificial intelligence, on um, all augmented reality, on the big players right now are Intel, AMD, and NVIDIA. NVIDIA's got the biggest piece of pie, so that's the one we talk about the most. But don't underestimate NVIDIA or AMD. I'm sorry, AMD or Intel. So AMD, Intel's never going to be that far behind. They're too big. Now, for years and years and years, AMD is like, we need more CPU power, more CPU power. And NVIDIA was like, we need more GPU power, more GPU power. And the market shifted to wanting GPUs over CPUs. Because, like, when was the last time you looked at your computer and go, this computer is gloriously fast, but I need it to go gloriously faster. My MacBook Pro boots up in under two seconds. I'm good with that. I'm not, that one second when I'm waiting, I'm not going, oh, Jesus. I have things to do. Uh, when I process video, it's faster than it was five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, and I'm thrilled with that. So, and I do video processing because I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Teva Pharmaceuticals, who I talked about in the first segment, said they're going to sell the remaining assets in the specialty women's health business for $1.38 billion dollars. And that's a good way for them to pay down some debt. It's a good way for them to pay down some debt. What is women's pharmaceuticals? Contraceptives and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Man, we've all thought this line, but saying it out loud on television, holy mackerel. House Financial Services Chairman Jeb Hinserlein says U.S. taxpayers should not have to foot the bill for some at-risk homes. We have these repetitive losses of property, says Texas Republican. At some point, God's telling you to move. Hurricanes may be God's way of telling folks to move. Wow. And on the other side of the fence, hurricane damage that floods people's homes may be telling our society, why are we putting people with low incomes or modern incomes in areas that are hurricane prone? And on the other side, like flood risk realities do exist. California's got earthquakes and the Bay Area is due for a big one. And only one in 10 homes have any sort of uh, earthquake insurance. And I will be honest, I'm starting to think 
with everything that I see on television tied towards Houston and Florida and uh, Puerto Rico and Mexico, I'm like, I think maybe this is something I should start thinking about. But for a representative to get on television and say that, like, holy mackerel, is it refreshing or is it, like, not the greatest thing? But then again, like other countries, they're not going to be able to financially bail out their people like the United States does again and again and again. Um, You know, there's one home in Baton Rouge that the man uses as an example that's flooded over 40 times. And the taxpayers have paid almost half a million dollars for this one house that's worth about $60,000. So earlier this month, President Donald Trump signed a bill providing $15 billion for Hurricane Harvey re- uh, disaster relief. There's good news and bad news is there that when we rebuild, we typically rebuild a little bit smarter. When we rebuild, we typically rebuild a little bit newer. When we rebuild, we typically rebuild with better infrastructure, which does help commerce and everything. But what camp are you in? I'd love an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Do you think maybe it's time to say let's let's say coastal cities are great because they're so close to seafood. Coastal cities are great because they're kind of romantic, but maybe they're not the best idea for people to live in um, or to build infrastructure up in. Pretty interesting thoughts, right? So one of the people that I like to look at as a stock picker, as a stock talker, um, is Jeremy Siegel. He thinks the Trump effect could send stocks soaring 10% or higher. Now, we're not going way back into the Wayback Machine back to November of 2016. We're not going back to early 2017 where Trump was talking about his infrastructure plans, his tax cut plans, his tax repatriation plans, his um, health care plans that would you know, save America billions of dollars that we're going to put into other areas. We're talking about September 21st, 2017. So the finance professor, he recently called the Dow Jones Industrial Average surge 20,000. He said he expects stocks to jump even higher in the last 101 days of the year. He is Wharton School Jeremy Siegel. <sighs> number two in your program, number one in your heart. Something like that, right? I know, Wharton's not quite Yale. So he's saying that Donald Trump's intention to get business-friendly reforms passed on Capitol Hill could push us higher. Now, again... Is anything getting passed on Capitol Hill, or did I fall asleep? Uh, he thinks the latest Federal Reserve decision on interest rates or better-than-expected economic growth figures could also help. But he really thinks it's the Donald Trump intention to get business-friendly reforms passed on Capitol Hill. Siegel says, I would say corporate tax reform could add another 10% to the market even this year. A deal looks l- very less than likely to get done. Okay, so it's less than likely to get done, but it could add 10%. Uh, it's like I kind of want one hand, right? On one hand, we could go higher, but on the other hand, it doesn't look likely the legislation that would push us higher is going to go. But it could. So in the final weeks of 2016, Siegel argued that the blue chip stock index was very close to hitting the 20,000 milestone. It broke through that key psychological level on January 25, and since then has soared more than 10%. If Siegel's right this time, a 10% jump would send the Dow to 24,650, the S&P 500 2760. So there's a lot of hope that taxes really have a chance to get done. Hope. I look at hope as belonging in two places. In church and on the football field. And you can accomplish both of them on Sundays. I hope that when I die, I go to heaven. I hope there's peaceful life after death. I don't know. 
I hope that the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders, win a Super Bowl this year so that people in the Bay Area will be happy and talk about how great it was this weekend and how wonderful it is that my kids got to see their first game. I hope. But when you hope for taxes to get done, eh, I don't know if I'm going to put my hard-earned dollars in front of that one. So Siegel remains steadfast that some of the bleak days in the last few months when no one thought about anything positive happening, he still says, eh, there's a little bit of optimism now on corporate tax deal. And he thinks that would be positive for the equity markets. Now, again, what's interesting about people like Siegel and others is Wharton pays them to not sit in the towers of Wharton and teach but to get his butt in front of the television and say, we at Wharton think the market has a 10% chance to go higher. So he's a PR figure on a lot of levels. He's a smart guy. He says a lot of great things. He's been more right than wrong. But, and that's a big but, I cannot lie. Um, But he's a PR guy. So be cautious on that one. If sin butts were candy and nuts, so what a party we'd have. It's better if you say it like this. Instead of saying if ifs and buts are candy and nuts, oh, what a party we have. We have to go, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, oh, what a party we'd have. Are you with me or are you against me? Okay, I just, I'm, I'm winded from that. <laughs> I need a break. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Um, Albertsons bought a company called Plated. Um, Blue Apron shares gained. Investors don't love Blue Apron, but a supermarket might. Okay, let's stop and think about this one for uno momentero. Blue Apron comes public. Well, Blue Apron goes back a couple of years. You see it on your computer like, hey, you can get a whole meal kit delivered. And, you know, in 30 minutes you can make, it gives you all the ingredients to make something fresh and delicious. Pretty cool. You don't go have to go out and buy a, a bottle of Terragon. Use it once and then have it go stale on you. You get a little pinch of tarragon to put on your steak or whatever. So Blue Apron kind of caught on on like, I'm so busy, honey. Are you busy? I'm busy. Let's schedule to have uh, relations on Saturday at 3. Now, I can't do Saturday at 3. How about Sunday at 4? No, no, football's on. Can't do that. How about next week? How's your calendar looking? Have your secretary call my secretary. Or I guess your sexy Terry call my sexy Terry. So... Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. So Blue Apron was out there, and we kind of knew about it. Their IPO comes out, and it's just a disaster. But then Amazon goes out and buys Whole Foods, and we're like, you know, Amazon could probably do delivery. They got those deliveries, the one-hour windows and stuff like that. They have a grocery store. They could probably put stuff together and deliver it. And Blue Apron stock goes down. Now, Blue Apron's already in the business of delivering. They already have some of the logistics and some of the UPS and FedEx relationships. So it's an embattled meal kit delivery company that lost nearly 5.3%. You know, on a regular basis, it's down, it's down, it's down. But Albertsons, the second largest grocery chain in the United States, said that it's buying Plated, which is a meal delivery kit launched in 2012. Plated, it's going to operate as a wholly owned subsidiary of Albertsons, and the deal is expected to close later this month. But Albertsons has the food, and they've got the buildings, and they've got the customers, and they have a way of advertising. While you're shopping the Piggly Wiggly or the Albertsons, you may see, like, hey, you don't actually have to be here. We could bring the food to you. So Albertsons did reveal some of its initial plans for Plated. 
company said that Player will benefit from the scale that it roughly has 2,300 stores. Albertson said that it will begin to offer plated meal kits at many stores. So the Blue Apron kits that you could have delivered to, you could also pick them up. So Blue Apron's suddenly like, hmm, maybe this is their way out. Maybe this is their way out because they're going to struggle to generate any momentum post-IPO. They're going to struggle to generate any momentum in the world where anyone could do this, like Amazon, and shake up the entire business. So... I like the idea of let's think about this one. Now, would I put my money where my mouth is on this one? Not very likely. Because if Blue Apron doesn't, you know, pull off, you know, a relationship, it turns into one of those if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, it, oh what a party we'd have. And that's the investment lesson of the segment is you do have to get to the point in your head where you can say to yourself, like, this, this is a great idea, but sometimes great ideas don't come to fruition. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Um, Toys R Us is in the news. And when they announced bankruptcy, it really, you have to start thinking, who else? Well, what does Toys R Us sell a lot of? It's, it's Mattel and Hasbro, right? So that's kind of a collateral damage. And as an investor, you kind of need to start thinking about angles like that. You know, when Apple comes up with a new phone, who are the semiconductors? Who are the, the supply chain people involved? Because they're going to sell a lot of them. So as an investor, you start got to think collateral damage, collateral uh, coverage, things along those lines. So anyway, I was talking about Blue Apron this segment. I'll end on Blue Apron. I did get, I was given a kit from one of my neighbors who forgot to cancel his order, and he was going on vacation. So he said, here's some steaks. In my honest reveal, it was okay. It, it was better than fast food, but not quite as good as firing up a big old steak that you pick yourself and you dry age and you throw on the barbecue. Oh, it's been so long since I've had a steak. I want, I want, I want. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the show. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. Anything that you want to talk about? money investing and more um instagram is on track to top snapchat's new user signups it's so interesting right the battle between snapchat and instagram snapchat and facebook um the road to success in social media and the internet super highway is littered with a lot of roadkill a lot of roadkill snapchat has signed up more U.S. users for its app than its rival Instagram has since the beginning of the year, though its leadership on the front may end soon. Uh, a company called JumpShot analyzed engagement with new user confirmation emails for both platforms and found Snapchat garnered 52% of U.S. signups between the two last months. And that's down from 75% a year earlier. Instagram received 60% of new user signups globally in August 2017. Snapchat's sign-up advantage looks poised to disappear soon. Can Snapchat get to a business model that Wall Street's comfortable with fast enough? Their stock is recently sunk again. Uh, it IPO'd, it sunk. It battled up, it sunk. 
So that's one throwing thought out there. 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, talking stocks, talking investing, talking more. Um, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Investors don't love Blue Apron, but a supermarket might. I thought that was a pretty good thought. And again, it shows you the pros and cons of investing, where you really have to build a case on what you like and a case on what you don't like, um, in my opinion. So NVIDIA, on the other side of the AMD noise, which we talked about making a relationship with Tesla, NVIDIA is okay. It's a momentum stock. I look at stocks as four types of stocks. I look at a stock as either momentum, growth, growth and income, or income. There's different ways of saying that. Momentum could be, you know, um, startup, small cap, mid cap. It could be doubling of revenues. There could be a lot of different ways that you define that. Income could be a company with a low PE and yields 2 to 4%. So you put $100 in it, it's probably going to stay $100. And by the end of the year, they're going to give you $2 to $4 in cash to say thank you. You know, in a down market, that $100 stock may dipped to 95, whereas $100 of NVIDIA as a hyper-growth um, kind of stock might be down to 70. So there's, there's hyper-growth, there's growth, there's growth in income, and then there's income. And, you know, the risk-reward, the reward should be on the top side of that, and the risk level should be on the downside. So as far as day by day. So I think there's big enough. There's more than enough room for Nvidia and Intel and AMD, and no one really talks about Intel. Um, AMD is winning some share, while Nvidia remains the de facto standard and the market share leader. So a nice press release from Tesla ain't gonna hurt Nvidia. So keep that out there. One of the most important stats that I look at on a monthly basis: economic data. You'll hear about productivity. You'll hear about. Um, housing starts, you'll hear about permits, auto sales. Uh, I like them all. I think they all have some sort of value. But the most important one to me is the employment numbers that come out on the first Friday of the month. In large part, Americans, if we have paychecks, we tend to spend them. And, you know, we go, ooh, my phone's got a crack in it, or it's getting a little bit long in the tooth. So initial jobless claims fell sharply in the latest week when economists expected an increase, but were higher than normal due to the impact of Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. So economists were expecting claims to hit 300,000. Last week's claims were revised down to 282,000. This week, 259,000. But again, hurricanes are kind of throwing a tizzy in things. Sometimes you do lose your job. Let's say you're working at a restaurant and the restaurant's four feet underwater. Probably not going to be delivering a lot there, unless you know the backstroke. Um, so you probably might lose your job, whether it be temporary or long-term, and you might need to say, you know, I need to pay my... My baby needs food. My house needs to pay. I need to pay the rent. Otherwise, I'm going to get kicked out. So you go get that unemployment first job, jobless claim. So 800-516-1220 to get your call in the air. So my number one thing that I look at is that... You know, like I said, jobs. That goes a long way for me. So, um, other big stories of note out there today, and there are a couple, none that are going to change the world, in my opinion. 
Um, but I thought this was an interesting one. Amazon's taking on the drug supply chain. And we all know Amazon got us cheaper books. They got us CDs that were cheaper. They got us food delivered to our house in two days, in one day, in zero days. Amazon's ramping up conversations with a group of drug middlemen known as pharmacy benefit companies, PBMs. And part of the deal is that they're part of the drug supply chain. They negotiate prices with drug manufacturers on one side. And on the other side, they go to companies like CVS and say, here, we can provide you, what do you think, you need 1,000 Viagras, 2,000 Alexapros. Um, is Lexapro a drug? I don't even know. I just made that one up, I think. Um, but cited an anonymous analyst, Amazon may be indeed in conversation with some middle market PBMs. Can you imagine them saying, you know, Merck and Pfizer and Eli Lilly, you give us an anti-cholesterol drug or you give us a statin and we'll, get, we'll sell it. We'll sell millions and millions and millions of them for you. Uh, we'll deliver them. Could be interesting. Amazon's a bigger threat than a lot of people expect, and it's not going to go away. Companies like Walmart and companies like Target, they've got pharmacies that say, look, we'll give you a, a whole month's prescription, you old person, for 4 bucks, But you need to come into our store and pick it up. And while you're here, we're going to sell you Depends, and we're going to sell you other things. So Amazon could be a big disruptor. Some people don't like leaving their homes, like me. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.